Hey everyone, this is another episode of Logos Soup. Today I'll be analyzing The Life of Pablo, which is an album by Kanye West. This is uh, in Kanye West's discography. This album comes after Yeezus and before the albums Ye and Jesus is King. And this album presents... Uh, a dichotomy that's very common across all of Christianity, and that has been very prominent in Kanye West's life. And this is the dichotomy between Christianity and egoism, or traditionalism and decadence, or monogamy and hedonism. Essentially, Kanye is choosing. Kanye is at a crossroads in his life. The album was produced when he first met, uh, was began production when he was just first dating Kim Kardashian. And shortly after the album released, they would get married. And I personally am a big fan of Kanye and Kim. I think Kanye is extremely sincere when he talks about Kim as a kind of spiritual partner in his life. And... And so you see this as a transition between the album Yeezus and leading up to his kind of mental health, mental decay focus of a yay, and ultimately in its most recent Jesus is King album, which I also think is a very sincere, uh, a very sincere idea coming out of Kanye. And I think his conversion and, his real acceptance of Christianity is a very sincere, uh, a sincere moment in his life. So anyway, you you have this dichotomy rep- reflected in a number of different ways throughout the album, between its cover art, its title, its track list, its musical aesthetics. I also want to note that I'm in addition even more than I'm unqualified to be analyzing literature and art, I'm even more unqualified to be analyzing music because I have awful taste in music, but that's besides the point. So immediately you have the title of the album and this title is, this title invokes a story of a man named Pablo. And in the album, it makes references to several Pablos, and Kanye explicitly explicitly talks about three Pablos who inspire him in an interview that came after the album. Those Pablos are Pablo Escobar, who is uh, Pablo Escobar, Pablo Picasso, and the Apostle Paul. Now, Kanye described Escobar as the greatest mover of product in human history. He described Pablo Picasso as the greatest mover of art in human history. And he described Saint Apostle Paul as the greatest mover of souls in human history. So now on the cover of the album, you have this title. And the title is actually written on the cover seven times. The Life of Pablo. And this is a discussion of these three Pablos. This is the life of a person who invokes all three of these Pablos. 
Yeah, visually, uh, the cover is orange, and it has the life of Pablo written on it seven times, like I said. But it also has which one written on it 20 times, presented in two rows of 10. The words which, and then a slash, one. 20 times. It also includes two photographs. The first photo is of a man and his wife at his own wedding. His, him and his wife and, his fa- and their families coming together in this moment of matrimony. And the second image of, is of a blonde woman with, uh, with a big ass facing the camera. And you can only see the bottom of her face. Her eyes are out of the frame of the picture. So she's clearly meant to represent this, this archetypal image of, of lust and hedonism. So just on this cover alone, Kanye is asking which one. He's asking which photo will he pursue? Will he per- pursue family or lust? Will he pursue, and which Pablo will he seek for his life to invoke? Does he want to be Pablo Escobar? Does he want to be Pablo Picasso? Or does he want to be St. Paul? Now the answer at some level is he wants to be all of them. But as you'll see in the procession of the album, the progression of the album, he can't be all of them. And he's now at this point in his life where he's forced to choose which one. Okay, so now I want to discuss the sound of the album, the track list, the lyrics. Stylistically, Kanye is blending gospel music with his traditional Kanye Yeezus era sound. It's it's slightly toned, it's it's very much toned back from the jarring industrial hip-hop of Yeezus, but you still hear these sounds coming through. Um, and just like how Yeezus, the album Yeezus, heavily experimented with these industrial noises, this album is his first heavy experimentation with gospel concepts and vocals. The track list has a total of 20 songs, which actually I, I think may be meant to reflect the 20 which ones written on the cover. The first track is among Kanye's most acclaimed songs of the era. Uh, it's called Ultralight Beam. And this is by far the most pure gospel song that would come out until Jesus is King. What, three or four years later? Um, and directly in this ultralight beam, the first track on the album is an allusion to St. Paul. Now, ultralight beam, Kanye describes as a beam of energy leading directly from earth to heaven. It's also an allu- it's also an allusion to the conversion of Saul to Paul. Now originally the apostle Paul was a man named Saul who was who was persecuting Christians. And one day when he was riding he was struck by this beam of energy from God and he was blinded for 3 days. 
But when he regained his sight, he was his new name was Paul, and he was converted to Christianity. He saw God and was converted through that beam of energy. Now the story, the song begins with a sound bite of a child exclaiming, quote, We don't want no devils in the house. We want the Lord. And that's it. After this intro, Kanye and a gospel chorus sing, I'm trying to keep my faith, but I'm looking for more. Now there are verses from Kanye and Chance the Rapper. Chance uh, invokes an image of Archangel Michael, whom he considers to be kind of his patron saint. And it's this overarching message of spiritual battle. Kanye is torn. He's immediately discussing this, this desire to grow deeper in his faith, this desire for a conversion like St. Paul. So immediately in this first song on the album, he is explicitly discussing his desire for his Pablo, his life of Pablo, to be the life of St. Paul, to have this grand conversion and live a life in Christ, despite whatever temptations may be around him. Now, the next song I'm going to talk about is track number four, Famous. And this song was recently reemerged in the news because it was kind of the pinnacle of Kanye's feud with Taylor Swift, and she just recently brought it back up on Twitter. But rather than talking about the lyrics, I'm going to talk about the music video that was so controversial. Because I'd say this is one of the most avant-garde moments in Kanye's career. He produced a music video that was stylistically very well composed, and that was he knew that that's what he was creating. He produced a video that slowly panned over an image of him and a bunch of wax figures of celebrities naked in bed with him. Basically, it was this big bed with 12 people in it. From left to right, those 12 people were George Bush, Anna Windsor, Donald Trump, Rihanna, Chris Brown, Taylor Swift, Kanye, Kim Kardashian, Ray J, Amber Rose, Caitlyn Jenner, and Bill Cosby. Now, there's obviously a intentional shock element of creating this shot which poses Kanye, Taylor Swift, Donald Trump, George Bush, and Bill Cosby in bed together. Clearly, uh, clearly this, this avant-garde moment of something artistic, but completely socially unacceptable. And it's also incredibly well composed. He intentionally produced it like a Renaissance painting with these white linen sheets um, and kind of almost Baroque poses of all of these individuals. But there's also this obviously pornographic element to it. 
which is something that Kanye West discussed in a recent interview discussing when he was talking about Jesus as king and how this famous music video was kind of the culmination of his own pornography addiction. Now what you see here, though, is this moment in which Kanye is trying to blend decadence with art. He's trying to blend Pablo Escobar with Pablo Picasso. Now, you don't see the collapse of this dichotomy within the song itself, but within Kanye's own life, and later on in the album through other tracks, you see the, the way that this lifestyle collapses. But even in his own life, looking back, Kanye regrets this moment, this attempt to blend this moral decay, this addictive hedonistic lifestyle with art and trying to justify it through art. Now, the next song I'm going to talk about is called Freestyle 4. And this, I'd say, is the most, the, the, the kind, it's track number eight. And it's definitely the pinnacle of the decadence within this album. Freestyle 4 is probably the most strong invocation of this, this hedonistic, uh, life of excess and drugs and sex and money that Kanye discusses on this album. And it's also concluding the first half of the album as track eight. Um, it has a very close relationship with tracks nine and 10, which I'll get to in a bit. But the first verse from Kanye says, quote, closed eyes, see things, fire up, tweaking. Those are, uh, that's an allusion to kind of close-eyed visuals from taking hallucinogenic drugs. Uh, there's another line, get stacks, drive cars, whip out, bitch out, tits out, oh shit, my dick out. Um, again, this allusion to money, cars, partying, sex. So you, you see throughout this, you have, um, you have this, in addition to his appreciation and, and draw and attraction to hedonism, you also get lines like like uh, discussions of uh, parties and how he could get the whole party fired up. And if he, he started fucking at that party, everyone else would start fucking at that party. And it would cause this chain reaction of decadence. So ultimately, it's a discussion of his own lifestyle and this 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 dark end of his lifestyle, and also the rippling effect and the way he can influence those around him. And this idea of Kanye being able to push people towards a life of Christ or a life of art or a life of hedonism is reflected in the last track on the album as well called Saint Pablo where he says quote I know I'm the most influential that time cover was just confirmation which is also a reference to Time magazine naming Kanye one of the most influential people Now this song Freestyle 4 is 
very heavily produced. There's a lot of background music and, and it ends with this kind of whirling noise, this pulsing whirling noise um, and directly leads into the next song called I Love Kanye. And I Love Kanye doesn't have any background music. So there's a very stark contrast from that song and Freestyle 4. So he goes right from this song and I Love Kanye begins with the line, I miss the old Kanye. And he goes on to say how he has these old qualities that he no longer represents, that he was straight from the go, set on his goals, um, and now he's this bad bad mood Kanye, spaz in the news Kanye, that he misses the sweet Kanye, that at that time, in the past, he would have wanted to meet Kanye, and that he even kind of invokes this idea of Kanye being a persona, Kanye being something malleable, that he thought that, quote, he even had the pink polo, he thought he was Kanye. So ultimately, this song kind of, this is kind of a meta song towards the end of this album. It's, it's, if we look at track 10 as the middle of the album, the transition song, this is the end of the first half of the album. Track nine, I Love Kanye. There's no background music. It's just Kanye's stylized statement of who he was in the past, what he misses about the person he was in the past, and his concerns about how he's embracing the lifestyle that he just discussed in the previous track, Freestyle 4. Now, the song Babes is the middle of the album. It's a meditation on the idea of feelings and phases and life changing and being ever fluid and relationships being fluid the way a wave is. And within the song, you have the, the imagery of water and the idea of change and renewal. And this is kind of a baptismal image that leads from the first half of the album into the second half of the album. And the transition from the first half of the album into the second half of the album is very clear when you're looking at the song, which comes after Waves, and that's track 11 called Fuck My Life. Now, Fuck My Life is a discussion of how Kanye is living an unsustainable lifestyle, that his attempt to blend Pablo Picasso and Pablo Escobar is fruitless and that the only sustainable happy life which he's going to be able to achieve is one that's for his children for his wife that the this kind of life of saint pablo saint paul he says that he's willing to make this his mission this idea of shifting his life away from hedonism into Christianity and to, quote, give up the women before he loses half of what he owns. Now, he even says that he's willing to think about his vision, focus on his feelings and his vision in order to reveal the layers of his soul. And this idea of confronting his soul and who he is rather than 
hiding behind sex and drugs is a motif that will come up not just in this album, but in his the next albums, in Ye and Jesus is King, and his interviews when he discusses Jesus is King, and all of the addictions that he used, which he talks about how they became most severe after the death of his mother around the time of producing Jesus, and how he, he went into this downward spiral, spiral where he needed porn and sex and drugs and money and and negative attention in general all of these these provocateur moments in order to fill these voids within himself but really he's he's now reflecting on the second half of the album he's starting off this second half of the album by saying that he needs this life of family and spiritual love and children and and this kind of christian image of happiness and fulfillment in order to move on in order to be the pablo which he wants to be now after that you have the song uh track 12 real friends real friends um is really a discussion about how he's surrounded with people who are just trying to take advantage of him and that his primary obligation is to his family and that shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be supporting and being overly generous to people who are trying to take advantage of him and in addition to this it's this idea that he mentions this story within real friends where his cousin stole his laptop which he was quote-unquote fucking bitches on, um, and that he had to pay his cousin $250,000 to get the laptop back from him so that he could um, he could kind of keep it under wraps, what, what, what he was doing and what was happening. And again, this is, this is a callback in a way to fuck my life, where he's saying like all of these behaviors that he's going through are fundamentally unsustainable and it's only attracting bad people into his life when he really what he really wants is to focus on his family and his real friends now the next song track 13 is titled wolves and it's one of the strongest invocations of christian imagery throughout the album um He uses this idea of a wolf as a metaphor for sin and the dangers and perils of sin. And it also invokes the imagery of Mary and Joseph, the divine parents, the two people who came together and raised Jesus Christ. And how they were, well, if you're a Catholic, you believe that Mary was destined from birth, set up, in order to, um, she, she was without sin from the time she was conceived in order to be the mother of Jesus. But other Christians will, will not say that. And they'll say that these people were just regular people who were chosen to by God in order. And that's, that's how their story began. They were just normal people and they found each other and, and began this journey. But essentially, you have a song that has verses from Sia and talks about um, 
and it talks about this life of of going into the clubs for a kind of a kind of light in the darkness, some kind of way of of coping with what what the the life of guilt and regret that people are experiencing. Um, there's one cross. There's a line: "Cry, I'm not sorry. Cry, who needs sorry when there's Hennessy?" Uh, probably also a reference to um, Kanye's Hennessy drunken moment when he started his feud with Taylor Swift at the 2009 VMA Awards. He jumped up on stage and drunkenly called out Taylor Swift saying that Beyonce had a better music video than her. But anyway, at the end of the song, you have uh, the following line. I said, baby, what if you was clubbing, thugging, hustling before you met your husband? Then I said, what if Mary was in the club before she met Joseph around hella thugs, covered Nori in lamb's wool, were surrounded by the fucking wolves? So this idea that Mary and Joseph in today's world could have met each other in the club with Mary alone, surrounded by, by other men who are, are trying to get with her sexually, just like you would see in this imagery of a wolf. And she is And she's cover Nori in lamb's wool as though she's she's just looking like prey to these wolves. And Joseph comes in and Joseph isn't a wolf. He's this, this person who can be a spiritual partner to her. And Kanye likely sees this as the relationship between him and Kim Kardashian. How Kim Kardashian in the past was with other men. She was with Ray J when she made her uh, famous sex tape. And now he sees uh, he sees her as this Mary image, this spiritual anima archetype individual who can be the Mary to his Joseph, can have these, uh, can be the the pathway into this Christian family oriented lifestyle. Now you even have a an allusion to. The Gospel Matthew seven fifteen, which says, "Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves." And I think this is an image of sin in the mind of Kanye. That sin appears to be these. That when you see sin, you're approaching it as though you're a wolf. That you're a hedonistic wolf that can just attack these lambs and eat these lambs, the lambs being women and drugs and money and, and this ultimately hedonistic, empty lifestyle. Kanye sees hedonism as this attempt to be a wolf attacking a sheep. But in reality, and what he's learning to see, is that he is the sheep. And that these this sinful lifestyle is a wolf masquerading as a sheep. That he's now letting this 
this wolf in thinking that he can control it, thinking that he would be the one who who perpetually feeds on the lamb. But in reality, the sinful lifestyle is the wolf that will feed on him until there's nothing left of him. Now the next song I'm going to talk about, and the last song before I get to the concluding track, St. Pablo, is called Facts. And this song is a discussion of Kanye's ability to move product. This is him being Pablo Escobar, not for the money, not for the drugs, not for the sex, but purely in regards to his ability to move product. Um, It's essentially a diss track against Nike. What happened was Kanye broke away from Nike. Um, He began producing his Yeezys, um, his shoes Yeezy brand uh, with Adidas, and that they immediately uh, began outselling Nike's Air Jordans, which is where he gets the line, Yeezy, 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 just jumped over Jumpman. Now, he makes comments about how in 2020 he's going to run the whole election um, using this kind of continuing this mindset of he's a an organizer, he's a person who leads people, he's a, he's an entrepreneur, he's a CEO type type uh, individual. And it also references how he even said that Donald Trump inspired him. Um, Kanye makes references saying that Nike treats employees just like slaves. Um, he makes another, uh, he makes another, uh, quote about he and Kim Kardashian make so much money. Like this, again, this invocation of how they are movers of product. He says, quote, plus Kimoji just shut down the apps app store and we made a million a minute, a minute. We made a million a minute. Um, this is a reference to an app that Kim Kardashian released called Kimoji, which is essentially a Kim Kardashian emoji pack. It was $1.99, um, it has 250 emojis of her, just her. Um, and basically they made, they, they literally were receiving 9,000 downloads per second, over a million dollars every minute. Um, and Kim claims that the app was selling so fast that they act that the app store crashed. So essentially again, this song um, discussion of how Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are a, they, they, they have clearly have the ability to move product. And Kanye is um, actually this year just became only the second highest paid celebrity. Funny enough, he was beaten out by Taylor Swift, who is, uh, likewise, similarly to Kanye, uh, a very impressive mover of product. That's something that the two of them have in Kanye in <laughs> in common. I think if Taylor Swift was a Pablo, as Kanye puts it, she would certainly be a Pablo Escobar type entrepreneur, mover of product. Now, the last song song I'm going to talk about is called St. Pablo. It's track 20, and I think it's a brilliant way to conclude the album and really really conclude Kanye's meditation and discussion and reflection about which Pablo he 
is going to be. Which one? Pablo Escobar, Pablo Picasso, Pablo St. Paul. And right here he's saying, it's as though the final track on the album is this decision, St. Pablo. Now, I could go on about really any line about this this um this song. It really is like a like a very lyric brilliant lyrical poem. Um but I'm just going to hop into one section. I'm going to read the lyrics um and then I'm going to, to kind of go through it and analyze it. I've been woken from enlightened man's dream. Checking Instagram comments to crowdsource my self-esteem. Let me not say too much or do too much. Because if, if I'm up way too much, I'm out of touch. I'm praying an out-of-body experience will happen. So the people can see my light. No, it's not just rapping. God, I've humbled myself before the court. Dropped my ego and confidence was my last resort. I, I know, I know he got a plan. I know I'm on your beams. One set of footsteps, you was carrying me. When I turned on the news and they was burying me. One set of footsteps, you was carrying me. So what you have here is this idea that all of his validation in the world is crowdsourced. Be it Instagram or Twitter or the news. His entire identity, the entire idea of who Kanye is, was coming from this this external validation. He was creating this persona of this artist, Pablo Picasso, paired with this hedonist entrepreneur, Pablo Escobar, and that's who Kanye is. But he says he woke up from the enlightened man's dream. He has this moment of coming to consciousness that he was checking Instagram comments to crowdsource his self-esteem. And now he's praying that in out-of-body experience will happen, that he'll have this intimate divine connection, intimate connection with the divine. And so that based on what he's doing, that the way his, the vision he experiences and the way that will translate into his art will show people that he's not just rapping, that he's trying to give off this light. He says, God, I've humbled myself before the court, dropped my ego and confidence was my last resort. He's saying that he knows that God has a plan for him, that he needs to sacrifice this persona that he's he's developed and that he's putting up, this narcissism, this this egoism, this this type of philosophy that was so prevalent in his past album, Jesus, and this kind of genuine surrender to God's plan. He says, one set of footsteps you was carrying me. This is an allusion to um a Christian poem where basically a person's walking along the beach. He's looking back at his life rather. And the person's looking along uh, the shore of a beach when, when he sees that rep represents his life. And during the darkest times in his life, he notices that there's not set uh, not two sets of footsteps. Essentially throughout his whole life, there were two sets of footsteps, the protagonist and Jesus walking together, that Jesus was always by his side. But during the darkest moments of his life, Jesus wasn't there, that there was only one set of footsteps. And basically, God replies to him, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footsteps, 
it was then that I carried you. So that's this line in the song is an allusion to this idea that not only was Jesus with the person during those darkest times, he was carrying them through it. So you have here, when I turned on the news and they was burying me, one set of footsteps you were carrying me. So at this moment when his entire persona collapsed, when he could no longer rely on this court of public opinion, this court of incessant validation and attention, that when all of that, his entire idea of who Kanye was, this entire idea of Pablo Picasso and Pablo Escobar collapsed, all that was left was Jesus lifting him up and giving him this image of St. Paul. And in that, you have the conversion of Kanye the same way you have the conversion of St. Paul. In the beginning of the album, you have Ultralight Beam, which is an allusion to how Paul was on his was living out this, this evil lifestyle. And God struck him down only so he could see Christ and be converted to St. Paul, St. Pablo. And now in this song, you have it put that when he turned on the news and they was burying him, when Kanye's whole life was collapsing, that was God striking him down. So Kanye could lift him up, not as Pablo Escobar or Pablo Picasso, but as St. Paul. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up here. This podcast was one hell of an experiment. Um, talking about an album. Maybe I'll stick to individual songs next time, but I don't know. Hope you like it. If you do like it, let me know. Um, just so uh, I don't know. This was an interesting experience trying to do this analysis of a podcast. It's going to end up being almost 40 minutes, so that's super interesting. Anyway, this is Logos Soup. Thank you very much for listening.